Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, this is episode 32 of Intuitive Bites Podcast. For the show today, I'm talking with Layla Shauna from Flawed Nutrition, and we're talking about the term obesity. Uh, Of course, this word is used pretty widely in our healthcare system and just by people in general um, in our culture. But Layla and I really talk about why this term is so problematic, right down to like its very meaning. Um, And then also, you know, we talk about all the stigma that comes from that as well. So it's a really great conversation and an important conversation to be having. Um, We also spend a lot of time talking about Layla's childhood and what got her interested in this, you know, into even just becoming a registered dietitian, but even beyond that into health at every size and intuitive eating. Um, She has a really interesting journey that led her to that point. So uh, I think you guys are going to be interested to hear about that. One thing I want to mention before I jump into that is I've been selling these diet culture is a liar stickers and I totally sold out of them. Like I was planning on officially starting the sale um, actually April 1st but I did a pre-sale and they're literally all gone. <laughs> so I am plan- planning on ordering more, but I'm not sure how soon I'm going to order them. So look out for uh, you know a story on my Instagram or I'll mention it on the podcast when I have more in as well. Um, if you're interested in that diet culture is a liar sticker. They are $5. Um, yeah, so I'll keep you updated on that. Um, that's pretty much it for now, guys. So let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Layla. All right, Layla, we are all set to go. I'm really excited to have you on. I'd love to take just a minute to have you introduce yourself and then we can dive into our topic. Okay. So, um, I'm Layla. Um, I'm originally from Boston or outside of Boston. Um, I did my undergrad in nutrition and dietetics at Framingham State. And then um, I got into a dietetic internship combined masters at, at Eastern Illinois. And I'm finishing that up now. I'll be done in two weeks. Awesome. And oh my in a few. Um, and then hopefully I'll take the exam by the beginning of June-ish. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. I might kind of get a job in clinical and see where I go from there. And eventually private practice is the goal, but cool. that's kind of, so where does your interest in health at every size come from or intuitive eating? Like where did that stem from? So that's a good question. I have a somewhat unusual story. Um, I weight cycled for a really long time. I was a little chunky kid when I was started, I think about five or six from what my mom tells me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my dad one day, apparently this is what he tells me. He was watching the movie heavyweights mm-hmm. about the fat camp, yeah. um, on TV. And he noticed, he was like, Hmm, I wonder if this kind of thing exists. So they looked into it and it does exist. And so they sent me for a summer to a fat camp. And as we know, I went, lost 
bunch of weight rapidly. I went home, gained it all back plus more. And that continued for nine summers. Wow. Yeah. So um, my, all my summers were pretty much spent at fat camp. Um, and so my whole childhood was just a very extreme binge restrict cycle. Um, and it was, you know, it was almost like a community completely built around binging and restricting um, because very rarely did people keep the weight off. If ever there were like always 95% of them would come back, you know, having more weight on than they did before. And then there were always those, always those couple people that just developed an eating disorder and were thinner than they were last summer. And now they're here to lose even more. Oh my God. So it's just a really, unhealthy situation but you don't really realize it when you're in it because you know you're there you're with all these people and you can relate to them because they're going through the same thing you are and you feel empowered like you come back and you're thin and you're tan and people are giving you compliments but then you know nine months out of the year you're feeling this intense shame you feel like you want to hide food you're hungry all the time and you blame yourself and then you go back and you're super embarrassed because your friends have seen how much weight you've gained and you know every couple weeks we had weigh-ins so everybody's like oh how much did you lose how much did you lose and there will always be yeah and you know, the counselors most of the time were either trying to lose weight themselves or they were personal trainers or, you know, dietitians in training. So they were either, you know, had pretty poor body image themselves and had uh, struggled with their own relationships with food, or they didn't understand that struggle at all and kind of judged people (laughs) that were in larger bodies. Yeah. So that's kind of where it stemmed. Um, I continued kind of dieting and restricting and all that until I was actually most of the way through my nutrition undergrad. Mm -hmm. Um, And then junior year, I think I was on Instagram. And um, by that time, I knew a lot of dietitians because I was, you know, getting close to being one. And one of the dietitians that I used to work with, um, I used to work in food service at a hospital. She had liked one of Rebecca Scritchfield's posts of her book, uh, Body Kindness. And I clicked it and I was like, hmm, this is kind of intriguing. I looked at her page. I thought it was kind of cool. And I bought her book. And then it just totally spiraled from there. Um, and I remember that specific dietitian, like feeling concerned for me when I was kind of in the throes of my eating disorder and kind of being like, mm-hmm. Ooh, <laughs> like kind of concerned when I would talk about my calorie counting and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that, that is my story. And then ever since it just kind of snowballed. Yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. What a, a complicated history. And as you were talking about like going to fat camp and all this stuff and you were like 95% of the, you know, the kids would come back, like, you know, having gained the weight back or more than they had lost or whatever. Like it's honestly so horrifying that this system can continue and like that, like mm-hmm. people can not even like, it can just go over our heads in diet culture because we're so immersed in it. But it's like looking at it from where you and I are now back at that. It's like, Oh Yeah. It's just like oh, absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Looking at it now, I'm like, who are, first of all, I want to talk to these dietitians that were working there. Yes. <laughs> only one dietitian. It was mostly like just we're working out all day and we're eating small portions. That was the bulk of it. We oh. had one class a week and the nutrition class was basically about, you know, just whatever, <laughs> um, you know, barely eating. <laughs> and, right. um, 
So that's basically what it was. And when you're in it, like it, like I said, the community, you feel this sense of belonging yes. and it feels so good. But now years later, especially having going, going into the field, it's horrifying. And especially now, like in retrospect, how messed up it was and seeing people years later, a lot of them have, um, you know, gone the bariatric surgery route. A lot of them regret it. Some of them don't. A lot of them have developed full-fledged eating disorders. A lot of them have turned to drug addiction even. Like, it's, it's so traumatic, like, looking back on it because I spent my entire childhood, you know, in the throes of complete body shame, obsessing with food, just, and, and people constantly telling me that it was my responsibility to obtain this body type. Um, and, and, you know, feeling guilty because my parents were paying money to send me there and that I needed to maintain this weight. But guess what? My body was like, I'm not going to let you do that. (laughs) (laughs) It was fighting for you. Yeah. Like I'm hungry. (laughs) What are you doing, man? Yes. Yeah. And you know, you brought up a really interesting point about the community aspect of that camp, but also, I mean, I'm relating it to things like Weight Watchers or other, you know, Mm -hmm. support group type things that are focused on weight loss. And I feel like, again, you brought up uh, something about, you know, you feeling this like personal shame and blame, like it was your fault. And like, I feel like it creates this perfect storm for that because it's like when you're at the camp, you have the community and you're feeling good because your weight's going down and like all of these like somewhat positive emotions are going on and, and whatever. And then you leave and all these bad emotions pile on as as a direct oh yeah of what was going on at the camp but you don't relate that because our culture doesn't relate that your our culture says it's your fault as soon as we let you go away from the camp you messed everything up right like that's right. our way of, of looking at that right and the most promising um things that i would hear counselors say would be things like you know the, the most that they would criticize the camp would be like, you know, they really need to work out the emotional aspect of your eating problems. Uh, and in my head, I was like, that makes so much sense. Oh, you know, a therapist could make me thin. And then, and now I'm like, that was terrible. <laughs> like, that's yes. a little message to be sending to people is that you must just be sick because, you know, you're definitely eating too much based on how you look. Right. Based on that, you must have a mental illness when really we're just living in this, um, kind of little cesspool of diet culture that's constantly telling us that we need to obtain a body type or else we're going to be completely unacceptable. And so I think with that, you, you, you have these little timelines in your head where you're like, oh, but in six months, everything's going to be different. I'm going to stop wearing black every day. I'm going to start talking to people. Next time I'm invited to a party, I'm going to go to the party. But that never comes because our bodies are constantly checking us. And it's saying, you know, I'm not going to let you lose that amount of weight because it's not good for you. Right. Um, And of course, the psychological stuff that goes on with that. Yeah. I think in retrospect, it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, but it's so sad that there was not one person in my life that like just could have looked at me and been like, you don't have to do this. Yes. Like this isn't, this is not the healthiest thing for you like at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I missed out on a good chunk of my childhood and oh yeah. so it's, and so many people do and they're in their adulthood. So 
you know, right. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's what really fuels my underbelly is that, you know, there is no invalidating the fact that I had such a hard time growing up mm. because people made my weight such a problem for me. Yeah. Which Layla, that leads me directly into exactly what I want to talk to you about today, yeah. um, which is this concept or this, this term, right? Obesity or even the term overweight. So I'm really curious to just throw out to you now, like first thoughts, you know, on what is, what could be problematic about using these terms or what is problematic about using these terms? Yes. So the, I mean, the biggest issue is that it in of itself, in and of themselves, um, imply excess, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is basically like, you might've seen my Instagram post, like you mentioned before, yes. the word obesity, which I hate using that word just even to describe yeah. how problematic it is, right. um, means something that has eaten itself fat in Latin. Um, so that in and of itself is just, you know, kind of perpetuating this idea that everybody who is of a certain size just must be eating themselves to that size. Right. Which really manifested in our field. That is completely the, you know, kind of implication when we're going through school is that, you know, if we just teach larger people to eat a certain way that they will lose weight, it will be a good thing. They will maintain it and everything will just be great. And unicorns will just be <laughs> out of our asses. Basically. Exactly. You know, the funny thing for me, Layla, is that like, I feel like there were times in my undergrad studies that I would be like, you know, it's not about the weight. Like don't focus on the scale, yada, yada, yada. But like the underlying understanding in my head and what was going on all around me was that if people eat in a way that they're supposed to, and if they eat the amount that they're supposed to, they will be in a thin body or that they will be in a a core. And not only that, if, if they don't, they have a thyroid problem (laughs) or it's like so ridiculous that we have been so conditioned to not even be able to conceptualize that somebody could just have a larger body. Like it's, so hard for us. It is actually incredible the lengths that I have to go to just to get people to understand that. Right. And like when you step back and I always like go to this, but like, I don't, I hope that this is impactful for for people, but like, I always go to the fact that like, and look at all the diversity there are in human bodies. Like literally everything about a human body is diverse. Like your skin color, your hair color, your eye color, your height, your shape, like all of these different things. But as soon as we talk about weight, it's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Everyone's supposed to be. And then Layla, like, here we go with the, I mean, we're talking about overweight, obesity, these terms, they all come from this BMI scale, right? And of course, right in that BMI scale is the term normal. Exactly. And on top, I mean, I actually got into an argument with a personal trainer or someone that was like, well, you know, we don't just use BMI. We also use waist circumference and skin. Uh, No, 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 no. Talk to any health insurance agent, talk to any doctor, talk to anybody that has worked in a hospital setting. That is the only criteria they use. And it is completely based on really nothing. Yes. I would even argue that if we did use those other measurements, that would still not tell us jack about that person's health status. Well, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm thinking like that's still based on somebody's body size. It's still based on, you know, the amount of fat they have on their body. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's really just kind of 
frustrating when, even when you're talking to dietitians that are like, oh yeah, don't look at the scale, like blah, blah, blah. It's still like their recommendations are still based in restriction. So yeah. they can say that all day long, but if they're yeah. not actually advocating for people to take care of themselves where, you know, <laughs> regardless of their body size or take yeah. care of themselves, regardless of the amount of calories they're eating, then yeah. it's really still drenched in weight bias and that's what's kind of frustrating is in this debate in dietetics right now like yeah. health at every size versus not health at every size is that they're completely missing the point yeah you know oh they're, i agree yeah they're completely I, missing the point they're like i think of like honestly and i might people might not like me for saying this but like when i think of you know health at every size versus like the debate of it like i just i look at it as as a lack of information like it's just people it's, not not being every informed. time that's what it is yeah every single time I get into a debate with someone or a conversation or whatever it is or even just explaining it there are so many times they're like oh yeah <laughs> that makes sense exactly. and it does a great you know I I, I totally think that in and of itself trying to eradicate weight stigma is important and it should be important just enough for it to be important for fat people, but yeah. it also affects thin people. Oh God. Yeah. Because, you know, even just today I was at my internship and, um, one of the dietitians was talking about how she had an outpatient referral for, you know, a larger child, basically yeah. trying to avoid the word. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. she, she's, you know, and they were like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about weight because we're not supposed to, you know, lose weight for children. But, you know, we'll talk about healthy eating and, you know, you know, doing fun activities and all this stuff. And I'm like, how do you know that that kid isn't already doing those things? Right. The referral is purely because of the child's weight. Yeah. And so, and I'm also thinking to myself, what about all the thin children out there that aren't doing those things? Are we doing yes. them as a service? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, once you kind of gloss over and, or cross over into this kind of different way of thinking of the habits, like just the habits. Yes. Yeah. It sounds just absurd to hear people talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense because sure. there's just so many assumptions. Yes. That's so, what it is. It's all, all weight stigma is, is brash assumptions. And when I, I did a study, um, an independent study that got published, um, at the food and nutrition conference, oh, nice, yeah. um, and it was on physician weight bias. And, you know, it was a small study, it had about 25 doctors just take surveys, um, based on case studies for either larger or smaller people. And, it was absolutely insane how little it took for a doctor to say they would send a referral out for a weight loss surgery or they would yeah. um, put this person on a no carb diet or, yes. and you know, it's just not everybody has a dietitian. So I really think it's, it's going to be our job to educate doctors on this mm -hmm. because, you know, they can go to medical school all they want, but if they're not understanding the social context of what they're telling their patients, then they're doing a lot more harm than good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I have a history working in bariatric surgery in a clinic right. before right. I got into all of, you know, health at every size and all right. of that. But I just have like, 
all of these memories of, you know, um, like, again, like what you're talking about, like people were literally being approved for surgery because of their BMI. Like, literally, Dude, I like, would literally qualify <laughs> right now. Yeah, like that's hor- <laughs> like, horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. Like these people could have absolutely stellar labs. Like everything's pr- like blood, blood pressure is wonderful. Everything's great. But they're sitting in front of me telling me how unhealthy they are and how much they And you're eat. like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, like I just would like bang my head against the wall by the end. And I just, it's it, looking back, it's like, how can we literally be just treating somebody's body size? Right. And when you dig down deep, it really, really, really has to do with bigotry. Because when it comes down to it, I mean, there's this meme that has always circulated around for a long time about, oh, like a thin girl, you know, smokes weed and goes on alcohol benders every weekend. And we're like, oh, you know, here for a good time, not a long time, but a fat girl wears a crop top and it's like the end of the world. Uh And it's so true because, you know, it it's not about health. It's not about it. And we're dietitians or I'm almost a dietitian. You're a dietitian. We obviously value health. Yeah. That's not what this is about. And if you did value health and you weren't just kind of blinded by this, you know, blind rage you have for fat people or for fat, then you would read the research, which tells us that weight stigma is a much worse indicator for health outcomes than any percentage of body fat. Exactly. Yeah. Can you like, I don't know. Can you break down, I guess, a little bit more like your concept of like weight stigma? Like if somebody's listening, yeah. like what does that mean? And like, what does that really look like? Like, could you break that down a little bit? Yes. So weight stigma all in all it's, there's weight bias and weight stigma and they're somewhat interchangeable. Um, but weight stigma as we're talking about it is really referring to, like I said, making assumptions mm-hmm. and, um, a negative assumption about someone. So a bias could be either positive or negative, but when we're talking about a stigma, it's about, you know, you know, in short stereotyping or making negative associations based on one characteristic. Um, so there's stigma really for any identity. Um, a lot of people that struggle with addiction, they have stigma attached to them. A lot of, um, you know, people of color, there's stigma with that. There's stigma with really any marginalized identity that, exists. Um, when we're talking about weight stigma, that is supported by almost every industry that exists. So the medical industry is the biggest one. People find it so easy to, you know, take what the medical industry says as one absolute truth and two, a reason to berate people. So, you know, it happened with smokers. Like when we found out smoking was bad, people berated smokers. Um, you know, people, you know, my friend who was actually my counselor at back camp back in the day, she said something so simple to me once people will always figure out a way to put, to distance themselves from something that they're afraid of. So if someone is afraid that they will have to face weight stigma, they will just reinforce it to make themselves feel better. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm going to assume that you eat terribly and don't exercise and um, are lazy and, you know, xyz because i would never be like that yeah so it's like it's this like false like protection against that right because they know that it's terrifying to live in a marginalized body yes it has nothing to do with the amount of fat it has to do with 
people are going to treat me worse. I'm probably going to be treated different at the doctor. I'm probably going to be treated different when I shop for clothes or when I get a job interview or when I'm dating. That is such a big one. I feel like we talk about everything except, you know, when it comes down to it, um, Ashley Shackelford said this and Erica Hart has actually also reposted it. Desire is completely political and there is a reason why people desire certain things and that affects people's lives. If you're living in a larger body and you're trying to live your best life and you can't, you know, find a partner because there is this bombardment of weight stigma and negative stereotyping associated with larger people, that's really going to affect your quality of life. And that's just being human. Oh my God. Wow. That's fascinating. Jeez. So yeah, you think about all the different ways that, um, you know, this stigma impacts somebody's healthcare, which obviously impacts their health, but also like just like their stress levels because of their quality of life that's being impacted. And Layla, another thing that I always think about with this is that people who have internalized, you know, people who internalize that you know, weight stigma or whatever, which we all do because we all live in this culture. If we're not Mm -hmm. working to, you know, not, um, then they have these assumptions about themselves, right? So like, they're they're like, okay, I'm in a fat body. So that means I'm lazy. And that means that I eat like crap. So, or whatever. So it's literally, it ends up being this like self-fulfilling thing because you believe about yourself. And I hate like the people that are the worst are the people that used to be fat, but somehow have restricted successfully enough that they're thin now. Like that small percentage of people, they are the most stigmatizing people when it comes to fat people because they will say, well, I did it. Why can't you do it? I was lazy. I was eating Cheetos all day and I changed my life. You know, you can't, one, you cannot speak for everybody too. I think that with that intensity of um, kind of declaration, there's something going on there. Like they're afraid they're going to gain it back. Yes. Yes. They're living in in that fear for sure. Oh my gosh. And it, it really is terrifying. You can't blame people for it either. And that's, I think another huge misunderstanding people have about health at every size. It's not about, we're going to demonize people that don't want to live in a marginalized body because who does want to experience that thing every day with people judging them and, you know, all the stuff we just talked about. It's just, it's awful. People are treated differently for that reason. But, you know, Fiona Sutherland told me this when I I went to her body image workshop last year, because I have a friend, one of my best friends who did have the gastric sleeve and she did lose a good amount of weight. She got a boyfriend. She, you know, was doing better at work because she lives in a very superficial area and she's a hairdresser. So, you know, all of these kind of you know, quote unquote rewards that she was getting after having been lived, living in a thin body, even though she knows for a fact that she won't be able to sustain it because she already feels the weight coming back on. Right. Um, all these things I asked Fiona, I was like, what do I say to her? Because I can't invalidate the fact that those things happen. We live kind of in a crappy world that where that happens. Mm -hmm. And she was like, that is crappy, but we know what we know right now and what we have to do is advocate for that to stop because when you're, we can't identify the problem with the marginalized person. We have to identify the problem with the marginalization. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're doing when we're saying someone is quote unquote obese or overweight. We're saying, 
you know, if you just lose weight, then, you know, all these people wouldn't treat you like crap all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, how problematic is that? Yeah, so messed up. I mean, it's just, it's blaming, it's, yeah, it's trying, it's like, okay, instead of, like, getting rid of the bigotry, let's just, like, cha- you should change yourself. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all these people are like, well, you can't change society. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that's to. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. So you just uh, make things worse? I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, that was such a great discussion. I feel like we could keep going forever, but um, I guess we're just going to like kind of wrap it up there. I mean, I think that, I guess, do you have any ideas for people to um, find more information on, you know, weight stigma and like things like that, like any things that have helped you? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm personally someone that's driven by research, um, and critique critical thinking. Um, so I have a research library that I developed with a lot of different articles that I update every now and then. So if anybody wants that, um, I don't know if you want to like post my information or something and you contact me for it. If you're a research driven person, like I am, that's really what it comes down to sometimes. Um, I think also it's important to just listen to the voice of people that are living in marginalized bodies, um, reading, you know, Virgie Tovar's work or Lindy West or, um, watch Shrill, you know, that's perfect social example of just how hard it is. Um, so I think there's, you know, incredible value in both of those things and just follow people that talk about it because it's, it's very complicated. (laughs) Exactly. And I I hear from people all the time that they're so overwhelmed when they come to this space because we're all talking about all this stuff all the time. There's so many people Um, when you, I mean, there's not so many people, but like when you're in the community and you find them, like there are a lot. Yeah. You forget that there are people that don't fully understand what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, take it, take it as you can, but you know, following people is a great way to just get snippets of information and over time, you know, be really learning more of this stuff. So that's awesome. Um, where can people find you online, Layla? So I hate saying the name of my Instagram because I'm just an awkward, embarrassed person, but it's, it's flawed nutrition on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much all I really go off of right now. Um, you can definitely email me. Um, so if you want to DM me for my email, if you want to ask me questions, ask for research, um, or really anything at all, just, um, you can DM me and we can go. Cool. Yeah. And I'll link below with a couple of different things. We'll chat after this and figure out what we want to link. Um, so people can find you. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thank you again so much. All right, guys, that is a wrap on today's episode. Um, I'm going to link below with where you can find Layla on Instagram and also where you can find her resource list. So definitely check that out in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I will be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.